Welcome back to This Is Baseball. I am Brandon Johnson. We have a new logo. We have new intro, outro music. Same show, same host. Let's get into it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm breaking any sort of news to you. Uh, I think we all know what we're about to talk about. The most coveted free agent in the history of baseball, possibly in the history of at least North American sports, signed a deal with his team of the future. And if you're not sure who I'm talking about, I'm talking about multi-MVP winner, two-way phenom, Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, over recent days, signed a 10-year, $700 million contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. That is the biggest contract in North American sports, and it's not even close. It's about $250 million more than the next closest player, which was Patrick Mahomes signing $450 million with the Kansas City Chiefs back in, I think that was 2019. And yeah, we'll get into the details of Shohei Otani's deal and how it's laid out and what it means for baseball and what it means for the Dodgers. But first, I want to talk about how we got here. So obviously, going into the 2023 season, it was pretty well documented that this was Shohei Otani's contract year with the Los Angeles Angels. And from an individual standpoint, he accomplished about you know, everything you possibly could. Um, from a, st- a team standpoint, the results weren't quite there. The, the Angels weren't successful. That's not really an indictment on Shohei Otani because he did his part and they never made the playoffs, but that's okay. So... We're getting through the 2023 season and we get to the trade deadline. And I personally, at the time I said it, the angels need to trade Shohei Otani and they will get a generational package in return at the trade deadline. They decided to keep him. He ended up being injured and the Dodgers or excuse me, the angels pretty much let Shohei Otani walk for nothing. So offseason, here we are. There are multiple teams that were interested in Shohei Otani, as there should have been. All 30 Major League Baseball teams should have been interested in signing Shohei Otani to their roster. Now, obviously, there is it realistic for 30 teams to be in on Otani? No, it's realistic for five teams to have a shot at actually signing him. The other 25 teams could only dream of having a player like him on their team, especially for the money that he signed for. So some of the teams that were mentioned, obviously the Dodgers, the Giants, the Cubs, the Blue Jays, the Yankees. These were all teams that were in on Shohei. And there was a big rumor about 
we were tracking this plane, this private jet that was flying from Los Angeles to Toronto, and you know, it turned out it wasn't Shohei Otani at all. It was uh, I don't I never followed up on who it was, but it wasn't Shohei. And uh, the winter meetings were last week, and a deal got done with the Dodgers and Shohei Otani. And for me, I think that's the only place that made sense. I think that's the only place he was going to sign. Would I have loved it if he ended up with just like a team that you wouldn't even have thought? Absolutely. Just because I think that would have been good for the sport. But based on how Major League Baseball operates economically, it was only realistic that the Dodgers were going to be the team that he ended up on. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Shohei Otani, this was his idea, has is deferring $680 million of his $700 million contract until after this contract is up, after 10 years. So he's going to be making $2 million a year for 10 years with the Dodgers, and that is his way of not bogging the Dodgers down and... Uh, uh, kind of softening the blow on the luxury tax penalty that they would have to pay. So he's getting paid basically nothing, and the Dodgers are going to be able to continue to add and spend and still build their their team, their super team. And uh, I think that's where a lot of people are having issues with this, is people are calling for MLB to veto that deal, the deferred payments. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Because in the new CBA, there is no limit on how much money can be deferred in a contract. So MLB is absolutely not going to step in and veto this. Uh, so if that's something that you're hoping will happen, it's not going to. This is just, for me, I, a glaring reminder that MLB desperately needs a salary cap because back to my previous point, these small market clubs could never, they're not ever going to compete with a deal like that. They're the Royals, the Reds name, a small market club. They are not signing. They don't have $700 million to, to invest into one player. Now, that being said, I do think that small markets could probably open up their their checkbooks a little bit more than they do, but we can't sit here and pretend like there's not a huge disparity in big markets versus small markets. I think if you're a small market, while you can dream of a Shohei Otani, you need to make sure that you are drafting talent properly and developing and looking in that mid-tier talent in free agency. And another thing about a Shohei Otani signing with the Dodgers, because the thought is, oh great, the Dodgers have a super team. And on paper, they kind of do. But baseball is a weird sport. It's not like it's not like NBA. It's not like NFL where a super team virtually guarantees 
success. High payrolls don't even guarantee success in Major League Baseball. You can ask the Mets about that. They had they had the highest payroll in baseball, and it wasn't even close last year at about $350 million, and they were sellers at the trade deadline. So money doesn't equal success, but it can help. So there's no guarantee that the Dodgers are just going to rattle off a bunch of World Series. In fact, if you look at the Dodgers over the last decade, you could make an argument that they, that they severely underperformed in the 2010s. That's a team that they won the championship in 2020 during the COVID shortened season. And how much stock you put into that is really, you know, up to you. I think people are kind of split 50, 50 on the legitimacy of that title. But I look at that team and I would argue that they had a super team in the 2010s that they mostly developed themselves and they went to multiple world series and, multiple deep playoff runs, won the division like 11 out of 12 times in the last 12 years, and they don't have a lot to show for it. So adding Shohei, while it helps, doesn't guarantee anything, guarantee anything for the for the Dodgers. I think I would be shocked if they didn't win at least one ring, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're going to win two, three, four, five rings uh, between now and 2030 because... Again, not to dog on Shohei, but he just spent six years with the Angels and the Angels didn't sniff to the playoffs. So no guarantees, but this is monumental for for baseball. It's a deal that $700 million, I think people would argue that he probably could have been paid more just based off of what he has done and what he can do. But I think... $700 million is completely wild. And he will be, he's 29 right now. He'll be 39 when that deal ends. And depending on how he is health wise, he could potentially get more, but yeah, wild deal. And it's, it's crazy that, that, we have been kind of anticipating this all season and just kind of watching it. What's Shohei going to do? What's Shohei going to do? And he did, I think, about what we all expected him to do, sign a huge deal with a big market and shock the system. So good for him. I mean, all things considered, like, well-deserved and wish him success. He's not going to be pitching this season in 2024 because he's going to be recovering, but he will be DHing for the Dodgers so he will have he will have an impact on that team and we all know how great he is offensively so Dodgers are in good hands they still have Mookie Betts perennial MVP candidate Freddie Freeman perennial MVP candidate and just a bunch of other talent on a very good Dodgers roster and a, a team with the Dodgers I actually felt like I actually thought that 2023 was going to be kind of their last hurrah of just running the National League West. I thought that the Padres were going to be better than they were this year, and I thought that the Padres would take a step forward, build off of what they did in 2021 in an LCS appearance, make the playoffs again in 22, and then just just keep building off of that and be good for years to come, but... 
I don't feel that anymore. It seems like the Dodgers are here to stay and are just going to continue to run run the National League West. And I think uh, I think they'll get at least one ring. I Again, I can't sit here and say that they're going to win multiple, multiple rings because that's just... It's just not how baseball works. I want to take a look at the Kansas City Royals. So Kansas City Royals have, to put it politely, just been a little bit of a dumpster fire. 2022 happened. It didn't go according to plan. They cleaned house. They moved on from their general manager and vice president of baseball operations, Dayton Moore. They moved on from the majority of the on-field coaching staff and Mike Matheny and Cal Eldred and brought in new new ideas, new people. They brought in Matt Quatrero from Tampa. They brought in Brian Sweeney from Cleveland. Tampa and Cleveland, both teams that are well-known for being able to develop pitching. J.J. Piccolo, been in the organization for a long time. He was the GM last uh, in 2022, but he had to sign. He, Dayton Moore had to sign everything off. So 2023, J.J. Piccolo has just kind of full control of personnel decisions on for the Royals. And all, all that being said, they, they took 2023 as an evaluation year, and it did not go well. It, we knew that about six weeks into the season that this team was a mess and there's a lot wrong with it. M- most obviously, the biggest problem is the pitching from start- from the starter all the way to the back of the bullpen. There's just a huge problem pitching-wise. I actually think that their defense is pretty good and I think offensively they are ready to compete. And... Something that J.J. Piccolo has been good at is being transactional. And where where I felt like Dayton Moore was really always kind of focused on drafting and developing, and he never was able to draft and develop decent pitching outside of... Yeah, I can't even think of anybody. I was going to say Danny Duffy, but that was going to be a stretch. Um, but JJ Piccolo at the winter meetings, the Royals at the winter meetings were pretty active in the pitching market. Now, none of it came to fruition, but this was the first time in a long time that I have seen the Royals, you know, the Royals are in talks with this team about trades. Their Royals are in talk with the Marlins about trade trading for starting pitching or the Mariners for starting pitching or the Royals are talking to Sonny Gray or Eduardo Rodriguez, two top top pitching free agents. That is something that you have not seen the Royals do. So it was refreshing while the Royals didn't get any deals done with those players. Sonny Gray went to the St. Louis Cardinals. Eduardo Rodriguez went to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but it was nice to see that the Royals were at least in the conversation where it felt like in years past, we were just kind of like, what are they even doing? There's not even a, a peep about something that they are possibly looking into. But moving ahead to this season, they signed Will Smith to the back end of their bullpen, and 
He's a very serviceable reliever. And he's going to help solidify and kind of stabilize a really bad bullpen in Kansas City. And now Royals can't stop there. They've got some some moves that they need to make in the bullpen as well. One or two players, but they also need to address their starting pitching. And like I said, they had been in on other started other starters that have already signed with other teams. They've been uh, exploring trades, but some players, some starters, and these are names that are going to be familiar with everybody that the Royals have been in on are Lucas Giolito, Michael Waka, and Jack Flaherty. Three starters uh, that all kind of have have their issues, whether it's injuries or just uh, inconsistencies, along with Marcus Stroman, who I think Marcus Stroman would be a great, a great clubhouse presence for the Kansas City Royals. He's a leader. He will be a great influence on a very young pitching staff, and I hope that's something that they accomplish along with one or two of those other names because I look at the Royals starting pitching right now and Cole Reagans will obviously be there. Brady Singer, probably. I think he's still got a lot of work to do. I think Daniel Lynch could be a starter if he can get healthy, but adding, adding the right player, the right free agent, and I'm going to sound crazy when I say this, but adding the right player, you know, if you spend $60, 70 million dollars, whatever it is, among a couple players on your payroll, adding it to your payroll this year, I think in the American League Central, it's not crazy to think that the Royals could compete for that division this year. Listen, it's well documented that the Central is weak. The winner of the division was the twins and they did they they won less than 90 games. I don't think it's crazy that the Royals making a move, you know, making the right move on pitching and then their offense picking up where it left off last season and playing at a high level. It's not it's not crazy that the Royals I don't see how the Royals can't find 87 wins there. And again, Call me crazy, but if they played in the AL West or they played in the AL East, I'd say, yeah, they got a lot of work to do. But the Royals need to turn it around quick and because they don't have a lot of goodwill with their fan base right now between just having a really, really, really bad season in 2023 and all of the the issues and the delays and the confusion surrounding the potential new ballpark sites. So I think it would go a long way for the Royals to really take a step forward and make a couple big splashes in the offseason. Because the sentiment right now is why why should we care about a new ballpark if you can't even field a team? Why like we don't want to go watch your team now. Why would a new ballpark make us want to watch your team? So for me, especially since a vote will potentially be happening on said ballpark in, you know, as long as they meet deadlines in either April or November. I think it would be good, at least on paper, to look like your team is going to be competitive this season because I think that could at least make people feel better about it because right now, 
it's hard for me to think that anybody is interested in a new stadium. I'm excited to see how all that plays out with the Royals. Obviously, being a Royals fan, I really want them to be good, and it's very frustrating to see them just be a disaster ever since their World Series championship. And it's especially frustrating whenever the Chiefs share a parking lot with them, the Kansas City Chiefs share a parking lot with them, and we've seen what they've been able to accomplish over the last six, seven years. And it's just... I I just... The Royals have got to at least be competitive, and I think they're just a couple free agent signings away from being there. That's all I have for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.